When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. 1-1. This is episode 25 of the Bitter Edge Supporters Trust podcast brought to you by the White Hag Brewing Company from Ballymote and Sligo. Uh, we're coming to you from, uh, mainly from uh, close to the showgrounds, but we're, we're coming to you again from Zoom once more. Uh, it's the usual crew. Donner, how are you? All good, Connor. How's things? Not too bad. Jerry, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, Connor. Cheers. Uh, Magoo, how are you? Under the clock as usual? Under the clock. I'm, I'm good, Connor. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All good. So another um, packed episode for you. We've uh, part two of the Joey and Doe interview. Um, we've got about 20, about 20 minutes left of our conversation that we recorded with the great one last week. Um, we've got our shed from the shed end on the back of the Dundalk uh, victory. We've got the, um, we speak to uh, Owen Power from the Blues Supporters Trust down in Waterford ahead of the, I mean, I guess it's, it's not cancelled, but uh, it, well, is it? Yeah, it's, what, what's the term? What are we saying? Unknown. They've, for, they've forfeited, but it's up, yeah. it's, it remains to be seen what the FA are going to do about yeah. it. Yeah, so yet, yet yeah. to be decided game against Waterford, I guess. Um, and we also speak to local athlete Chris O'Donnell from Grange. He has recently helped the Irish 4 by 400 meter mixed relay team qualify for the Olympics in July. Have we any housekeeping to do beforehand? I don't, I don't think so. I think we'll... Um, We'll we'll have a look at the the win against uh, the win against Dundalk. Um, for some reason, look, we were saying today in, on it's Wednesday evening now when we're recording this. So we were saying today in the WhatsApp group, it does feel like it was ages ago for for whatever reason, um, and it makes it a little bit harder to remember all the intricacies of it. But um, um, it was a good it was it was a good performance against Magoo, right? We, you were reasonably happy with with the the ninety minutes. Yeah, I thought we played really well. I thought it was well deserved. Um, I think even when we were down to ten men, we never looked troubled. Um, bar the last, I suppose, injury time was it, or a couple of minutes for injury time, we're able to make a couple of saves. Um, but other than that, I think we were fairly comfortable throughout. Um, created a few good chances in the first half. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was happy enough with the performance. Obviously, um, you could obviously there's. You're looking at it thinking we can do more and there's room to improve, but that's that's a great thing to be saying. Yeah. Uh, as always, we'll get into the, the detail of the game um, after the shouts in the shed and we'll just get um, the kind of headline views from, from the lads before we do that. So, Jerry, um, there was one change there. Lewis Banks came in. Um, uh, well, do you know what? Just quickly on Romeo as well, actually, before... before um, we've got, I think we've got a, I've got a couple of messages or a couple of tweets uh, to say that we need to kind of... They were being a bit too heavy-handed with Romeo. Um, he did create another assist. So when you look at things over the first uh, the first quarter of the season so far, 
he he is contributing. He, he might be doing it on a regular basis, but he's contributing, isn't he? Yeah, he's a couple of goals and something like three assists. So that's that's pretty good going in, in 10 games. Um, you know, if you're chipping in with 50% uh, in terms of goals uh, or in games, sorry. But yeah, look, maybe, maybe we are and maybe we were uh, a little bit harsh. But having said that too, I think we did balance out any time where we might have been critical in that uh, we know he's got the ability and we've seen it and it's just everybody really wants it to to click because, as I said, when he clicks, the whole team will really, really click. So, yeah, that's it's not out of anything other than that, really, I think, Connor. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the red card after the shouts, Sean. Um, but just, it was an excellent goal, wasn't it? Wonderful goal. Top class goal of the highest quality, um, every every piece of it from Romeo's holding touch to Gibson's touch to nutmeg, then to unleash that strike. It's fantastic, unbelievable goal. Yeah. It didn't get the reaction it warranted from the commentators, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we get on to them as well afterwards. Absolutely, we'll do a full section on uh, on Pat Morley. We'll do a full 40 45 minutes. Oh, He's not your friend, Connor, anyway. Definitely, <laughs> um, okay. Listen, we'll we get stuck into the shouts from the shed. And um, uh, before after every game, we look for your uh, your take on how the bit of red got on, who stood out to you, what, perf- what performances um, you really liked, who was your man of match, that kind of stuff. And um, you can send them into podcast at borst.ie just record about a 30 second voice note um state your name where you're located and your thoughts and email it into podcast at borst just like sean rourke did all the way from america this is sean from america uh that was an incredible performance by the whole team uh, a couple of standouts for me uh, mcginty um, Lewis Banks, I forgot just how good he is. Um, Johnny Kenny didn't care for him out on the right, but he did pretty good. And uh, of course, Jordan Gibson was amazing. Um, Romeo, his overall game has been fairly poor, but his touch was better. But got to remember, 10 games in, he's got what? five, six goal contributions. He's going to come good. Up the Rovers. Anthony Dodd on my shouts from the shed for this week. Coming from the exotic location of Sligo Town. First of all, uh, Jordan Gibson's goal. What about the nutmeg and the confidence to drill home from 30 yards? Then I'm going to talk with Gary Buckley. And I send an off. I'm going to give Gary Buckley a free pass this week because he's been absolutely immense all season and deserves to be in the League of Ireland team of the year so far. Uh, our defensive performance was absolutely unbelievable, especially in the second half and the last 20 minutes. Disciplined performance was unbelievable. And Ed McGinty, he brought off two or three world class saves in the end. And just we shout to the committee. Get Gibson signed down on a multi-year contract now. Well, lads, David McGee, Ballister, my show from the shed end for the Dundalk game. I think everything was excellent. We showed more heart, more desire, and generally just wanted it more. We nullified all their attacks. Duffy and then McElhenney when he came on was very, very quiet. 
um, much more commanding uh, performance from McGinty um, apart from the wonder save at the end John Mahan was excellent as he has been all season reading the game out wide covering and in the air brilliant the ball moved a lot quicker and um, with a lot more purpose as well and Gibson was superb down the middle his touch the nutmeg the finish um, was all off instinct and he was brilliant all night and again just just a, a better performance Romeo was poor again to say the least but look we won't get into that let's just focus on the on an excellent win which is a huge boost mentally we'll do wonders for confidence in that area moving forward uh, keep the great work going on the, the podcast lads Alan Cairns here with a shout from the shed end so the Rovers go back to winning ways up at Dundalk with a wonder strike from Jordan Gibson for most people that's the highlight of the game for me John Mann's defensive performance when um, Buckley got sent off you know you don't have to wear the captain's armband to be a leader and John showed all the qualities of a captain um, in his defensive performance, down to 10 men, keeping Dundalk out. So for me, John Mann gets man of the match, closely followed by Ed McGinty, who seems to like playing up there. He keeps some of his best performances with the Dundalk. So we're back to winning ways. And on the Waterford game, um, what can you say? Back-to-back victories, six points on the board, a 3-0 win at home, a hat-trick by nobody. It's a bit of a shit show, isn't it? The game should be played. Drogheda got seven goals. Could all come down to goal difference for different positions. So, look at We'll see what happens. But we'll take six points in two games. Up the bitter red. Thanks very much to everybody who contributed. Oh, I, I have to say before I forget, uh, sincere apologies to uh, Alan Cairns on He he sent a shout from the shed end in last week, and somehow somehow or other, it didn't uh, didn't make the cut. I don't know how that happened. And sincere apologies. So. Um, some some good talk, some good takes there, um, particularly around uh, John Mahan, uh, Jerry. He he st- did he stand out for you? Yeah, he's been um, he's been a revelation this season, Connor. Um, I think he's you would never think that he was out for as long as he he was, and he's even a much better player. All he's more of an all round player now than he was before he got injured. Um, he's a lot more. Uh, measured, more calm, calmer on the ball, not afraid to carry it out of defence. His passing has really come on. Um, and look, we all know about his leadership skills. Is He's just, uh, he's a warrior. And, uh, you know, I think everybody in Sligo just absolutely loves him and loves to see him do well. I think, Jerry, what you're touching on there as well with John, his reading of the game has improved, knowing. Yeah. You know, I know an awful lot of people used to compliment John and, you know, his his heavy challenges, you know, a real tough tackle. And when the ball out, you don't see him making them this season because he's reading the game far better. He doesn't need to go to ground anymore. He's that we he's that we step ahead of everyone else. Yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um someone yeah. who's um <clears throat> someone who's getting um who's kind of I think he's kinda of, he's operating under the radar a little bit is Walter Figuera. He absolutely rattled the crossbar Magoo, didn't he, in the first <laughs> half? Um but um he he, he He's maybe not kind of setting the world alight, but he's he's been consistent and his work rate is always right up there. Um, he's somebody that stood out for me. Yeah, that's what I was just going to mention there. If you didn't put it in his work rate, I thought the night his work rate was phenomenal, especially when we were down to 10 men. He, um, there was no want at all. He put, he put in a serious shift after we went down to 10 men. Covered, I was going to say covered every blade of grass, but covered every rubber ball <laughs> on the pitch. And... Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, his strike in the first half was a serious effort. No back, no backlifting or anything like just out of the blue. It was great technique and 
something that he has in his locker that's you know, obviously he scored the game against Shams, but um, it probably wasn't his best strike. Um, I think it's something that he, he we could see more often from him. You know, not be afraid to have a shot from them areas because he has it in him, as we've seen. Yeah. Um, Sean, there was one, was there, I think there was one, made, one change made to the starting 11 with Banks coming in for Horgan. Is, is that all? Is that the only change there was? Yeah. Um, what about so- Banks? Burn dropped out. Oh yes, yeah. Burn Johnny Kenny came in, and Johnny yeah. Kenny went onto the onto the wing, or out yeah. to the wide position. So, what, what what were your thoughts on Lewis Banks? Were you happy to see him back? Did he put in a performance that was worthy of a starting position? He's given Liam Buckley a massive headache at right back there now. I thought he was fantastic. I think you know you're looking at probably the best left midfielder in the league in Duffy, and he he kept him quiet all game. Duffy couldn't get any influence in the game whatsoever. I think he. Banks gave a clinic in how to play it right back. He showed Duffy down the line three or two or three times in the first half where he was in promising positions and just couldn't get anything off from it. He made a couple of crucial interceptions and also um, I thought he helped Johnny Kenny immensely throughout the game as well. He Johnny was working really hard up and down the right-hand side, but I think Lewis talked him through the game and where he needed to be in certain times. You could hear him talking to him and just when, when to activate the press and when not to. And... You know, I just thought he gave an all-round brilliant performance. He's good. His decision making is really well. Like went to stay on his feet. Yeah. Um, went went to kind of go in and uh, went to go to ground, which he did a couple of times when when it was required in the box. Um, but you know, he didn't. You know, it's funny. You know, you go to ground, you make any contacts, you're asked for trouble. But he's going to ground smartly. He's, there's a half a foot between himself and Duffy. Um, he's he's blocking, preventing crosses. I just that kind of stood out to me. He's Real smart kind of defensive play. Yeah, no, he he's a very intelligent footballer, and look, it's great to see Banks getting getting back to his best as well. And you know, giving Buckley these headaches because that's what every manager wants. I think even when you look at when he came on against Pats at right midfield, you know, he he actually played really well as well. You so know, he nullified that threat that time. What do you see the difference is between the likes of Banks and um, and Horgan? Is there is there are they very different players? Are they very similar players? No, I'd say they're very similar in certain ways. I'd say, if anything, Banks would probably offer you more of an attacking threat. Yeah. He's more likely to go on the overlap um, instead of Horgan. But apart from that, I think they're both very conventional fullbacks. Or such a, they're not wingbacks. And I think that's actually suiting our play an awful lot better because they keep that solid structure at the back there. I think, um, I think, Banks, I think Banks can afford to get forward a bit more than uh, than Horgan because he's quicker. Yeah. He's definitely quicker. Yeah, I think um and Horgan probably knows his limitations a little bit and plays plays to plays yeah. up to it a bit, you know. Um yeah. Jerry the, the booking in the first half for Gary Buckley. Um so was it um I, I, was it Zahibo who was the other player that was involved? No, it's the young right back. Oh sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was very harsh. I mean Right, give, yeah, give a, give a free kick. But where is Buckley supposed to go in that situation? Like, yeah, it was like it was more of a coming together, and I don't know if it was a fifty-fifty, but it wasn't much more than that in terms of uh, Buckley. Like, as you said, where, how does he, where does he go to? How does he get around him? How does he get out of his way? It's practically impossible. And I think, look, uh, that's just look. It's hard to blame the referee as well in that situation because that's just the way the football. 
the football has gone. Uh, that those any coming together at all now, and if you're deemed to be the culprit, it's a yellow card. Um, and that's obviously where they were. Look, I, I, I'd be the first man to give out about referees and all that, but I, I, I do think that for the two yellow cards, I, I don't think the referee really had a choice. Um, like they're not allowed to use common sense. They're not allowed to use uh, the circumstances of what maybe the surface that they're playing playing on or the conditions or anything like that at all anymore. You know, like one time when you played a game and it was wet conditions, the referee would 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 take that into consideration. There is no common sense or consideration now in, in refereeing anymore. Not that there was there was much common sense with referees in the first place, but that's completely been extinguished in my opinion. And football for for it is worse. You know, yeah, Magoo. Did you think the the first challenge was a booking? Um, well, as Jerry said, like you can, you know, referee referees these days are probably going to give it. Um, it's I thought it was harsh myself to be honest with you. I thought, as Jerry said, it was. Where are you supposed to go? What's he supposed to do? The ball is bouncing there, like, and as I was saying on the ass match, if he doesn't go for it, and the young fella gets round and goes down the line and puts the ball into the box, someone scores. Then he's getting screened and roared at, and his manager's having to go at him. Like, you have you have to go for it. There's a bouncing ball. You have to go for it. Um, the one thing I thought, and when it's like once he was booked, he was stupid with the second one. Mm. But yeah. what I will say, we were talk- we were talking about it the other night about the pitch and the ball bouncing, or someone put it in the comments. But I was listening. Was to- said, yeah. I was listening to one of the, um, I can't remember what it was on, but they had the man uh, Tony O'Kane from Brada or from Dundalk on. He used to be part of the board. He was there when to put in the pitch first. And he was saying that someone from the committee contacted him during the week to see if he knew anybody in the fire brigade to get them up to the pitch to water the shite of the pitch was what the expression he used. Water, 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 water the shite of the pitch. Now, he never said if it was done or not, but he said, and later on in the interview, he says he knows then for a fact it's not been watered at all. They're training on it a couple of times a week, and it's not been watered whatsoever. Like, And that's obviously yeah. affecting the amount of Bounce on the pitch as well, like. But I, yeah, you, know, you could see, you could see, you could you see can that see, from the yeah. second, from, from Buckley's second card. Both him and the dog player were caught with us. The ball were caught with the bounce of the ball that time. Yeah, because when the ball has been played, if the ball has even been played out the channel, right? Normally the ball should travel, but once it's hitting the ground, it's nearly bouncing straight up. Yeah, because the ball is sticking to the yeah. the plastic is sticking to the plastic and it's bouncing straight up. And you can even see for as you're saying, Magoo, there, you can see for for Buckley's second booking that he's followed the. He doesn't expect the ball to bounce that high, right? And he's following the ball. He's not looking at the man. So we can, I think even, and even Liam Buckley was critical a little bit of, of Gary there with that. But I wouldn't really be critical of him at all because the ball is sticking to the pitch. Once it's been played, it's hitting the ground and it's bouncing straight up and it's bouncing high. The player is going to follow the ball with his foot. Yeah. I, I think He had a handful of juniors as well, though. I think that wasn't helping him. He, he had a good probably, yeah, probably, yeah. he had a good grip of yeah. him. Um, I think the, the, it's, it's definitely hard when you when the boot makes contact with the head it's hard to yeah look it's definitely yellow card and, and we all know that but what I suppose I'm going back to the point I was making and look that decision with has been taken out of the referee's hand, hands and you know anymore and he has to apply the letter that all that's it it's yellow card and we all accept that yeah, okay. Uh, what about uh, the opposition, um, Sean? They, 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 
I, th- I think, you know, when you think the, I think we were lucky that Hoban was missing a wee bit. I think it was it Zahibo that had those two headers at the end. I think if that's Hoban, it could be a very different story. Um, and there, there is kind of, that's his kind of range. Um, so I wonder, I wonder, did we benefit from this, the, the team that we were up against? Yeah, uh, definitely from a striker's point of view anyway. I think even if you look at that chance early on in the first half that lands with Junior, where he's true one-on-one with Ed and he just hits it off Ed's head. Yeah. I, Hoban or McMillan doesn't miss that chance. They slot that home. Yeah. Um, it's, an awful, it's an awful finish from Junior. And there's a couple other instances in the second half where I'd say Hoban would have got his head on a couple of crosses that have come into that box. But that's the way it is. That's life. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's missing. There's nothing you can do about that. I think in general, they were very poor overall. They had no fight, no heart, no desire. It was actually, it was a brilliant second half performance from us, but in just in terms of our resilience against them, but they they didn't really offer anything up until I say about the last five minutes. No, yeah, like Murray was Murray was active and he was getting around the place. Yeah, um, like Zahibo, he didn't really impress me all that much. I thought he should have no. scored with the opportunities he had. Um, they're playing with two holding midfielders. Uh, which obviously suited us. That was that was fine. I think Shields was a big loss when he went off for them. I think Shields was actually keeping the ball a little bit better and just trying to make things happen a little bit more. And when he went, they just started lumping it really, and that just that just was food and drink for us. We were happy to take that. Yeah. And what about um, what about Blaney when he came on to shore things up? For he played about half an hour, didn't he? I thought he was he excellent much, when he came on. Did he have much to do though? Yeah, he had plenty to do. Yeah, there was. Um, you know, there was a lot of organisation there to still be done. You know, you had to stay switched on for the for the time you're there. I think he took a, I think he made a foot run from a, the edge of our own box and made it to the edge of theirs at one stage. Um, he was only on two minutes at that stage. Yeah. No, I thought Blaney was excellent when he came on. I think um, it would have actually been nice to see him this weekend play with Buckley being suspended. Yeah. To see himself and Mahan start a game together. But uh, we'll see that down the road, I'm sure. But no, I thought he was very good. And there was actually one thing in the second half is when we brought on Horgan at right midfield again, I thought that was a very clever swap from Buckley because it still offered us, obviously, defensive cover. But Horgan stayed what he stayed touch tight nearly to the line and kept that width. And it still gave Dundalk something to think about with us, that they couldn't be caught on the break, even when they were pushing for the goal. And I just, uh, I just thought it just gave us another little bit of an option and a little bit of a lifeline throughout the game. Um, Magoo, what, what, did you have any thoughts on Blaney? You were impressed with Blaney too, were you? Yeah, I was impressed from it. It's, it's a few times I've seen him now, I've been impressed from him. He looks like a, he looks like a great footballer. Apart from, like, obviously, we haven't seen the best of his defensive capabilities yet, I wouldn't say, but overall, he looks, he looks like a really good footballer. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Jerry, um, well, not finally, um, <laughs> uh, Ed McGinty had a great game, didn't he? I mean, he was he was right on, and he and he. I mean, he, he's he's kind of known for it now. He's he's focusing those the championship minutes um, to use a bad analogy. Uh, the you know the, towards the end of the game, he's done, done it before. He's he's dug it out of the he's dug big saves out when it really matters um, in games, and he did it again against the Dock. Yeah, uh, two big saves towards the end, and I think the uh, Dock were throwing the kitchen sink at it at that stage, and just you know. Plowing ball, balls into the box, but um, and and it wasn't even just the big saves that he done throughout the game. Connor was everything he done. You know, he came for every single ball as he always does, and he didn't let the 
you know, the couple of mistakes from the previous week affect his his confidence or his his uh, judgment. And um, so, yeah, look, I'm a massive massive fan of of Ed, and you know, I think we we touched on it there a couple of weeks ago as well. Just you know, like Jesus, keepers make mistakes. Uh, every keeper makes mistakes, and I just think when Ed makes a mistake, it's like he's not that good anymore. He's he's a top he's a top class keeper. He's 21, which is extremely young for um, a goalkeeper at any level. And you know the amount of uh, uh, first team appearances he's made already at 21 is just unreal. Like so, I, I wouldn't swap him for any goalkeeper in the league, to be honest. Just yeah. with regards to that as well, Jerry, we touched on it, I think, on the aftermatch one of the days, as after the draw of the game, sorry, where we says that, you know, Ed would save us more times than he hampers us. And I think, you know, it's already come by in two games, really. If you even go back to the Pats game, he makes that that really good save from the Coughlin header. Yeah. And but it's the small things he does well too, like, you know, um, uh, that's, you know, they, they seem like small things until... A goalkeeper makes a mistake, and then it's like, why the hell did he come for that? But it's nobody questions this when the goalkeeper comes and takes it. But once he drops it, it's like, why did you do that? So goalkeeper is probably the hardest position on the pitch. If you make a mistake, it's magnified a hundred times compared to say the midfielder or a striker or anything like that. And you know that's that's I suppose look that's that's what good part and parcel of being a goalkeeper. But uh, as we said, look, he never he never lets it affect him. If he does make a mistake, he just bounces back and. Probably even better, you know. He learns that. Like you look at yeah. even the, you look at that one towards the end of the game there against Dundalk, where he comes out and as a Blaney, he flattens. Yeah, like ball and player and everything in his way is gone. <laughs> Just forget yeah. about it. Yeah. Um. So we will do a little bit more on the goal. I think um, it was. I never thought he was going to hit it that early, but that's that's what made it really, wasn't it? Um, the fact there's. And obviously the keeper probably wasn't expected it either, but um, that's 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 where the the magic happened, I suppose, Sean, wasn't it? Well, the, 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 well, let's reverse it back a wee bit. There's the nut, the nutmeg as well. Mm. The nutmeg is special. It really is. Like that's against a top quality centre half and Andy Boy, and uh, like to take him just he's on the turn. Andy Boyle is is stood looking at him basically. He's coming towards him just to take that wee touch in between the legs, and does he even it takes one touch, is it? After that, and then unleashes the shot. Yeah, like that's, you know, yeah. that quick, that quickness of thought in such a tight uh, situation is unreal. Like, you know, I thought I thought the commentators were very ha- harsh on Cherry as well, saying he's made a he's made a mess of it and actually took away from the goal because Cherry has no chance of getting near that. That's yeah. a Swedish strike as you'll get, and it's buried in the bottom corner. And it's it's it's. I mean, the fact he took it so early too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's it was like perfectly in, just inside the post. Its accuracy was incredible, like you know. Oh, it's a fantastic. We, finish, need to, we need to, we need, we need to rewind it a wee bit more, Connor, just for to, to give him his dues. Uh, Romeo with the yes. assist too. It was yeah. lovely, lovely, a lovely take, and we touched around the corner for Gibson. Yeah, and we made it. That took that took their that took their other centre half out of the game. Like, yeah, it's kind of what you were saying before, Magoo. You know, where um, quick ball out of defence, um, and I, I can't, who I don't know who it is. Who played the ball up to Romeo? But it was a good Man. ball straight into Mahan, was it? Yeah, took it down and laid it off, and bang. So it wasn't overplayed. It was very, very quick football, and that's as you said. That's what you would envisaged from the start of the season, Magoo. And it's what we touched on yeah, as well. Was the... Sorry, Magoo. 
No, it was, yeah, it was just like the chat. Was it the, the one up in Bowes, I think, was it? Or or I can't remember where, Bowes, yeah. where we were defending. Yeah, where was, Mark Burns goal. Yeah, we just turned into a counter-attack straight away. Like it's it's the speed of which we're up the pitch three, four passes later and we're hitting yeah. left of the goal. That's that's always where Rome is at his his most powerful though when when we're playing on the turn almost, you know, there's a quick, tra- yeah. quick transition. Uh that's where, you know, his first season in the showgrounds, that's where he absolutely capitalized on defenses and um, you know, our lack of midfield depth at that time um was something that he made he made the most of, you know. So it was the ball going from back to front. Um so, you know, I think th- I mean I do kind of wonder in relation to Romeo whether this team and this setup and the current tactics work for him insofar as the fans' expectations, because he is, his numbers, he's doing it from a, an assist and he's, he is scoring the odd goal. So it's hard to be too critical, really, when you take a, you take a step back, I think. I think no his, stat, his stats are, I think obviously <laughs> if you look at his stats, if you look, if you look at the stats, like they're, they're bearing up. He's, he could be, I'd say, apart from Gibson, he's probably he'd be well up on top of our stat chart anyway. But it's just everyone knows, and you can see there's so much more in there. Like you're looking at it thinking, how devastating would we be if we had a Romeo even seven out of ten every week? Like it'd just be you saw the 20 minutes, 20 minutes he played for up on bowls yeah. when they're all then buzzing around the place. And it was just it, we just looked, we did look unstoppable. Yeah. It just took fire for twenty minutes. Like it was just fire. That will come though. Like that's yeah, that's the thing. That is in, that yeah. is coming. He was going to settle in. He's going to hit yeah. his his form. Like that's it's on the way. It's just I suppose and we look, want it. We want it there now. At least he's still contributing while he's not on form. So exactly, Jerry. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. the most that's the most important thing, and that's the sign of a really really top player. That if he's still yeah. getting you good decent numbers when and you're turning around saying well he's not actually playing well. That's the sign of a top player. Like, it's hard to argue. Oh, just quickly and on Kenny, we don't have the game. Sorry, Connor, go ahead. Yeah, just quickly on um, on Kenny Jerry um, playing in wide position. Um, he was kind, he's kind of a bit out of the game again, isn't he out there? Yeah, it's not really where you want to see him, but I I thought he was actually when I when I seen the lighting up in the first minute, I was thinking, Jesus, that's I didn't expect that. Like, and I think we were kind of messaging each other. You know, we all had our own opinion on what the formation and what the, the lineup would be. And we all got it completely wrong. Nobody um, thought that Johnny was going to be on the wing. But in fairness to him, he was excellent. Um, you know, he was shown for the ball at the right time, in the right places. I don't think he gave it away once. His, he was really, really good. He linked the play uh, really well. And as usual, he worked his, his nuts off. There was one time where... Um, the fullback had, our fullback had the ball and he kind of ran away now it wasn't that he was running away it's just that the way his body was shaped that he couldn't receive the ball and that's the only criticised that's that's been ultra critical but I, I just thought he was he was deadly he was brilliant yeah it was a real bonus yeah Is he, I think he's playing I didn't I didn't actually expect him to play as much football as he, as he has played I thought um <clears throat> You know, I just thought from a kind of maybe that the manager would be a bit more protective of him, but I, it's absolutely not needed. Like, just let him off and yeah, let him play. Yeah. I, I suppose nobody really, I'd say, even the manager is taken aback a little bit. And I'd say it was going into the season with the intention that, that 
he wouldn't play as much and he would be more protected. But I'd say if you said that to Johnny Kenny that uh, look, we're going to leave you out because we want to protect you and all this, I don't think he'd have any of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other points on the game? Yeah. Do, do, do they play strange? Like your man, uh, Jarkovkis, is, like he, is he right back? Um, but they, they really, I think they end up in a very unbalanced shape because he's so advanced. Um, they're nearly looking to play him as a creative right back. Yeah. Not even, as a, yeah not even as a wing back, but just as a creative right back where he's nearly stepping into midfield at times as well. It's just, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. They, they don't, tactically they're a mess. Yeah, they are. They're all over the shop. I mean, the whole the whole club at the minute is up there as a mess. But even as I was as I was saying about they're they're looking for fellas to, to know anybody in the fire brigade to come water. Like they're worth they're worth millions and they can't even sort out a fucking hose. But there, there's a podcast <laughs> and a bit of water and a bit of water which is free. Like come on. There's a podcast the called um, shambles. There's a podcast up there in Dundalk called uh, the Press Box and in an episode about maybe two weeks ago. It's a very good podcast, actually. Um, they were talking about, and uh, one of the contributors said that a number of weeks ago they'd taken away or they got rid of, you know, the the um, the yoke the tractor pulled across the astro pitch in the showgrounds to oh, yeah, yeah. level things out yeah, and to yeah. give it a bit of a, a comb and a shake up. They, they don't have it up there anymore. They don't have it on the pitch. So, as you said, Magoo, you know, there's higher ease on the pitch and there's a bit of training going on the pitch and the underage teams are probably on it and but there's no maintenance like you know and you know if it's no. dry at all but all all these things sorry I just say, but all these things filter down through to the first team squad like the players know this like and you can see you can see their performances and stuff they don't give a shit no like, you, they really you, don't like, so, like at a, one stage Dan, yeah yeah sorry but one, I just say one stage uh Daniel Cleary went to play a back pass to the keeper for oh. a free kick and he kicked it straight out for a corner. Yeah. That's just no concentration. He's looking no interest. Into Funny, that's that Magoo. I was actually just about to make the same point in regards to I felt that was the, the moment for me that these they do not care. They don't care. Because not even oh. when that happened, not one of them turned around and gave out to either Cleary or Cherry. They just, all right, fair enough. Let's yeah. get on with it. Yeah. It was yeah. just total who yeah. gives a shit. But and even Duffy's performance, um, it was just lackluster, really, wasn't it? Like you know, and it's it's kind of in a way, it's 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 great, but in a way, there's something shitty about having these players of such standard and so many of them in a club, um, not performing, being in that situation. Look at McElhenney. Yeah, he had criminal. absolutely zero influence on the game when he came on. Like you're talking about one of the best players in the league there, well, potentially one of the best players in the league on his day, I've done nothing. Yeah. But Sean said a minute ago. Sean said a minute ago about when we were talk, talking about Banks, and he says uh, Michael Duffy, the best left winger in the league. If you were a scout or uh, yeah. from England or anywhere else, and you were coming over to, to Ireland, and he says, "I want you to go and watch the Dundalk game." Didn't tell you who you were looking at. You just said, "Go, I want you to go and watch the Dundalk game." There's a winger over there. I think we should have a look at. So who would you be going home talking about? It's a Johnny Gary or Walter. Be Jordan huh? Gibson, like it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't. Jordan Gibson would be who we want back talk about, not fucking Michael Duffy. Like, yeah, like, there's always a part of me that thinks it's a, it's to have such a talented squad. It's a shame to it, it's a shame that they're in that situation to to some extent, but not when we're we're baiting them. Um, right, okay, so around themselves. Um, any exactly. other any, any other anything else in the game before we finish up? Any uh, honourable mentions? Greg, Greg Bulger played well again. 
Um, yeah, Bulger was excellent. Uh, Morahan as well was really good. Week. Yeah, Morahan, Morahan keeps things moving all the time. So consistent at this stage. Um, yeah. So I love the, I love the fact that he got a nosebleed when he went, ended up on the edge of the their area and had a shot. <laughs> Not used to being that high up the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, Later on, we're going to have um, later on we're going to have a, a chat with Owen Power from um, the Blues Supporters Club. Uh, that's a Waterford fan supporter club uh, about the game that's now not going ahead. Uh, Rovers' next game, so the next game that will be played uh, will be the home game to Longford. Um, so, uh, will there be what's the story with aftermatch receptions this weekend, lads? No, unfortunately. Yeah, we're. Huh? Is there one, Jerry? You tell us. I put put one up in the group there, and nobody responded. So, well, <laughs> that tells its own story. Great uh, pants. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Look, I suppose we need to decide probably tonight or tomorrow. But uh, well, I'll tell you, if you want an yeah. aftermatch reception, get onto Twitter uh, and tweet the trust and uh, let them know if there's a demand there. For that. <laughs> I I expect there might be a demand there. I expect there might be. Um, so we gave away a case of um of white hag. Uh, to Alan Kieran's last week on the back of um, one of his comments in the aftermatch reception. And uh, this week we're giving away another case as uh, we usually do with thanks to our sponsors, the White Hag. And we're going to give away the case to um, to one person who retweets uh, a promotional tweet announcing the publication of this uh, episode. Uh, that's podcast number 25. So if you're listening now, get onto Twitter and uh, f- go to the Bitter Red Supporters Trust uh, Twitter page or Twitter stream or Twitter channel. Look for um, a, a tweet that's promoting this particular podcast and uh, retweet it. And uh, we will, at random, we'll put it into the computer um, that's over in Sean's house uh, that's specifically there to uh, choose a winner. And we'll we'll dig a winner out on um, maybe by Saturday or so. So get retweeting, get promoting the podcast. Um, and if you've got any thoughts or comments about the podcast, or if you're lit, if you're coming to us or listening to us uh, from America, like Sean Rourke, or um, or uh, any of the maids in the Middle East or South America, uh, give us a shout. Send us an email, and um, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So because we see there's people, there are there is people listening to us from Russia and the Middle East, as I said, all over the world, and it's nice to get a little bit of feedback. Uh, or even if you're from um, if you're from Grange. So, yeah, coming up later on, we're going to hear the second part of the Joseph Doe interview. Um, but up next, um, we have uh, an exclusive interview with um, the s- second, I think it's fair to say, uh, person to qualify from the Olympics out of Grange, County Sligo, in the last number of weeks. Uh, Chris O'Donnell is uh, a runner, a track and field athlete who's from Grange. He's in college over in Lockmore. He's uh, a big uh, Rovers fan. And... Um, He's um, he's come up through the ranks from Ben Bulban and played uh, Kennedy Cup with Sligo Leitrim. He's uh, and we had a chance to speak to him this evening on the podcast about his qualification for the Olympics with the Irish four by four hundred meter uh, mixed team. And uh, here's what he had to say. I mean, can you, it's Chris O'Donnell who's joined us. Uh, can I can I call you an, an Olympian at this stage? Is, is it too early to say you're an Olympian? Oh, it's I know it's probably too early to be okay. honest. You know, okay. I've, I've a couple of months of hard work ahead, but um, fingers yeah. crossed now. Okay, okay. So uh, it's Chris O'Donnell. If you're not familiar with um, who Chris O'Donnell is, he's one of um, the country's. He's one of Grange's uh, leading athletes, and uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's one of the country's leading um, track and field um, athletes. Um, so um, last week you qualified for the uh, the. 
four by 400 mixed um, relays. So you qualified for the Olympics um, in Poland. So you traveled to Poland and from, from the little bit of research that I've done, it looks like, and I don't know a huge amount about um, track and field, but it looks like you weren't really tipped to, to qualify, but I understand that you thought that you might be able to do something. Yeah, it was probably a case of inside the camp, we really believed that we could do this here, whereas outside, um, a few people would have seen kind of Ireland on the starting list and said, ah, you know, we won't have to worry about them. Because as a team, the four of us, we'd never ran together. So we went in as one of the bottom seeds. We were drawn in a very tough race because of that. Um, but it was, as I said, the first time the four of us got together and we really believed in our chances of finishing in the top eight on Saturday night, which would have meant Olympic qualification. In the end, we ended up fourth on Saturday night, which was beyond anyone's expectations. I would say we would have taken eighth place, just get us into the final. But um, everything went well. And yeah, um, the whole squad really bought into it. And um, we absolutely believed that if everyone performed, it, yeah, it was a case of everyone needed to perform to the very best, if not to the best ever on the day. And the four of us performed to our best, thankfully. And um, changeovers, everything went well. And thankfully, we, we made it through. Um, what, what sort of... Um... What sort of race was it, I suppose? Was it, um, did you get off to a good start? Do, do you know quite early when you see people, like when the, the first person goes off, do you get a feeling that like, we're in the hunt here? Or, or you know, what, what are you thinking when, when the race starts? Yeah, that was me. I was, uh, I was the one who started us off. Um, so there's a lot of pressure, I suppose. You know, the, the worst thing you could do is fall start and the team's out before you even oh, begin no. the race. But <laughs> yeah. um, So that, I was the one who had that kind of pressure on my shoulders. But um, I know I've been there uh, a few times and I was happy to take on the challenge and the responsibility of getting us off to a good start. And I was happy enough, I put us into the mix. Um, I'd say Brazil probably had a little lead over us. Um, I got us into probably second or third. It was very close. And then Phil Healy took us around the bend into first place. And we stayed first until the last 50 metres. Um, we, we, we finished third then in, in, our, in our race. Our time was good enough to finish fourth overall. So, um, yeah, when, when I was finished my job as first runner, it's still three more to go. I'm just there at the sideline screaming, praying, everything, um, you know, that hopefully everything goes well. And the, the three others ran magnificently. So do you, is it, are you always first out? Um, it can change. I've ran, uh, for example, on the, on the Sunday, we, we changed it up and I ran as on the last leg, but um, I'm happy enough to, to run first. Um, and how, what, what, what leads to those decisions being made? Um, that's up to the coach, really. So we had Thomas Barr, who's uh, primarily a 400-meter hurdler. So it was probably between me and him. Usually the male would, would go first. Um, so it was probably between me and him to go first, but... I'm a 400 meter runner. He's a 400 meter hurdler, so it made sense for me to to go uh, and run the conventional distance uh, as 400 meters, and then you can get Thomas on the fly on the last leg, and and he has a vast amount of experience on on last leg as well. So it worked out really well in that regard. Just a, a technical question. So it's 400 meters. Um, that's the distance that you've got to cover for your section of um, of the. Uh... Of the, you're doing a lap. You're doing a lap each, in essence, isn't it? A lap, each, yeah, 400 yeah. meters each, so 1600 so, overall, yeah. So, um, when when you when the the gun goes, are you just going flat out for the 400 meters, or are you pacing yourself across the 400 meters? 
Yeah, 400 meters is is probably the trickiest event of them all. It is a sprint, but you can end up paying for it big time in the last 50 meters. So there is an element of relaxation in the race, but it's probably, yeah, you're running at 97 to 99%. And the last 100 meters is kind of just hanging on to dear life sometimes. it's <laughs> That's kind of what it is. So I'm just shouting to, to Phil. I'm not passing her the baton. I'm just telling her, take this off me, please. You know, how grueling is that on the body? It is, yeah. And the training is, to be honest, the training is worse. So racing is sometimes the easy part. Um, so we put our body through through hell, kind of in training every week. So then when it comes to racing, it's not too bad. But um, yeah, I've been there on on some occasions where I've went out a bit too fast, and you really end up paying for it. And um, yeah, you'll be on the ground for quite a while afterwards sometimes. What What is your training schedule? You know, some people think 400, a sprint, a sprint event that you just, you wouldn't have to do that much training for. Yeah, because there's an endurance element to it as well. There's, there's speed, there's speed endurance, and there's an element of aerobic to it. So we, we cover all of those aspects. So yeah, we'd be in six times a week, a couple of sessions a day, a bit of gym work, uh, mainly powerful stuff in the gym um explosive work and then i'll do some longer aerobic endurance stuff and also working on short distance for my speed and that all adds up as a component to making the perfect 400 meter race you have to be very fast over the short distances and you also need to have strength to get you home because if you don't have either of those then you have no hope really so it's about balancing both so what's the what's the buzz like in Grange now that um, there's two two people have qualified for the Olympics out of the, the metropolis? Yeah, I seen Mona qualified last week. And I was like, right, I need to get my act together here. So, um, <laughs> it's amazing. I suppose we feed off each other as well. We see each other doing well, and you know, Do you know each other. Um, we we would have um, competed at community games level a, a long time ago, probably together. Um, I don't see an awful lot of Mona to be honest she's over in the States now I'm, I'm over in England but it's just great to see her name um, on, on the international stage and I'm sure she'd say the same that our job yeah is to do well as individuals but if we can inspire the next generation of Sligo athletes Grange athletes you know it's been a long wait for an Olympian in Sligo so hopefully now they see that you know two have came around and um, that there won't be as long as the wait the next time they can see look it's possible for us to do it yeah so we'll get on to football now in a second, but just finally on um, the athletics. So you said you've got a lot of work to do between now and um, Tokyo in July. So what does happen um, briefly? What is it just, is it just flat out training? Um, is there more events? What's the, what's on the schedule? Yeah, um, there'll be training and races. So in terms of the 4 by 400 meter relay, there won't be any more of that until Tokyo. Our job is done. We've qualified. So we'll now go back into our own individual bubbles training and I will pick up some races abroad at the end of this month and June um, to to try and get myself in the best, very best shape possible to to go to Tokyo. And that'll be the case of, of all, all, all of us on the team. And there'll be people as well trying to break into the team. So I look forward to that challenge as well, trying to keep my spot. But um, yeah, I'll be just trying to get myself now in the best shape over the next two months. And yeah, the four of us was, um, as, the, as I said, the... Uh, it was the first time any of us ran together and it was early in the season. So if all four of us can now use the next two months to get faster, then the team should get faster and we should have a better chance uh, at the Olympic Games. So, yeah, the next two months is just priming my, my body and getting a couple of races in individually and giving the team the best chance, really. So 
um, uh, is it is there possible that other people could fill take spaces on the team? Yeah, it is. It's very possible, I suppose. It's just like you know Ireland qualifying for the Euros in in March or whatever. The squad isn't actually picked until the May, so there will be people at home watching last weekend who will be you know licking their lips, fancying their chances. Um, so the worst thing I can do or any of us can do now is get complacent and think our job is done. So, as I said, um, it'll only bring us on and I look forward to that challenge as well. So, um, you know, I think it's fair to say athletics wasn't um, your first um, your first sport, I guess. Um, you started playing football with Pembulban and um, you must have been decent enough. You played Kennedy Cup, is that right? I was at Kennedy Cup, yeah. I was on um, Sligo Leitrim as well, probably from under 12 to probably under 16 so yeah that was definitely the first love and that's how I would have ended up into running I used I was encouraged to to take up running kind of to help the football to increase my speed to maximize that strength that I had so I just went down really to the local track maybe on a Tuesday and Thursday to get some extra training in to help the football and in the end it kind of worked the other way around and that I entered a couple of races I was hesitant at, at first I didn't want to race I was solely using it for football I entered you know the Connacht or whatever and started to do well then qualified as far as the All-Irelands and then that took off kind of international schools um, representing Ireland at under 16 level and um, that's where yeah so football then took me into running almost. So were you disappointed to leave the football behind a bit or were you happy enough to go with the athletics? Um, well it got to a stage like I suppose my last year in football was um, Slagolich from under 16s and back then um, to take the Sligo Rovers, they didn't have an underage setup at that age. So, it, if I was playing for Sligo Rovers under 16s, I might have had more of a decision to make. Or I said, look, I'm going to try and break in, go all the way up to the first team. So, when I was playing at under 16 level, I wasn't going to be a Sligo Rovers player until under 19s. So, that would have been a three year wait of kind of just being neither here nor there. Yeah. So, it's like, do I do I wait three years to get onto Sligo Rovers under 19, which is also at that time was a bit of a gamble because, you know, football is a cutthroat sport where managers, and especially back a few years ago, people were saying Sligo Rovers aren't bringing any young players through. So it was almost, if you don't make it at under 19 level at Sligo Rovers, and a few of the lads that you would have played with were on the Sligo Rovers under 19 team a few years later, and they've dropped out. So it was, there was no back door after the under 19. So if you, if the manager didn't take you on after under 19s, then you're out of the sport. So it was kind of do or die. Um, yeah. So I said, I was running for Ireland internationally at that stage. And I was playing for Sligo Leitrim under 16s with a three-year wait to get onto Sligo Rovers under 19. So I said, I'd just given the run in one year, see what happens. And it turned out to be a really good year. And I just haven't really looked back. And that's, yeah. Well, um, I think it's fair to say you probably made the correct decision at this stage. <laughs> um, I'm sure you never know. Um, we might see in the in the bitter end of the showgrounds yet. You're you're young. You've got loads of years ahead of you. Uh, just you know, keep keep uh, keep the or keep the practice in with the ball, and uh, you never know. Oh no, I'll definitely know when I'm finished running. That'll be the first thing I'll be doing. I'll go back to playing football and see where it takes me. I just can't see myself not playing sport, to be honest. So. If I finish running at 30, 31, I'll probably be playing football till I'm 40. You can guarantee that. So, see, yeah, so back, to back, back to the Super League. So, um, <laughs> just before we finish up, um, uh, you've been following the, the Rovers um, throughout the season um, from from Loughborough, where, you, where you're, you're based. 
Yeah, yeah, and um, it's really been really positive. Obviously, this season's been really good. They made a couple of signings, I think, have made a difference. A bit of experience. Just Greg Bolger is one who we've been just crying out for someone yeah. who's the bit of experience, a bit of know-how. Simply, rather than just ability, he's just been there and done that. And I suppose you've Gary Buckley as well, who's won the league. You know, David Colley and even Richard Bush, who's who's not playing as much, he'd still be there. And, Back, you know, a few years ago, we had a team full of young players, which is all well and good. But I just thought none of them had really been there and done it and worn the T-shirt. But now you've got Greg Bulger and, and these lads coming in who, who just they know the story. And you can see the difference that, that it's made. And then you're, you're, he's going to make the likes of Johnny Kenny and, and Jordan Gibson, who's been a revelation as well all the better so now we've got finally got a bit of experience and a bit of youth together because I think for a few years there it was it was all youth and um so it's looking good now this year yeah did, did you use the did I hear that you uh, you played slightly to my John Mahon? yeah so at at underage level unless you're absolutely exceptional they would have never moved you up and up the age groups so probably from under 12 to under 15 John would have been a year below me and he would have played a year below but in my last year, they started to move John Mahan up because he was doing really well. And yeah, he was just straight into the team. Um, you know, best centre half on the team by a mile. And he played then just as he plays now, the absolute commanding centre half, shouting. You know, he wasn't afraid to, he was straight in our team, you know, with the older lads. And um, he wasn't afraid to kind of put himself about. And yeah, I, I was only probably with him for a few months, but you could see that. His, you know, his leadership as well, and he's, yeah, he's played exactly how I, how I remember him playing as well. All right, Chris. Well, listen, um, we wish you the very best of luck. Um, I think there'll be more people from Sligo now on the back of this who'll be paying a little bit closer attention to um, to how you get on between now and uh, and July. So here's here's hoping you do make the squad. I'm sure you will, and um, yeah, best of luck. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll see you. Uh, yeah, we'll see you in Tokyo. We might speak to you either before or, or after that. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks very much. Right, that's uh, Chris O'Donnell. Um, and we wish him the very best of luck in the months going ahead. And we hope uh, very much that he makes it to, or he stays on the team and he makes it to um, to the Olympics. And we'll keep an eye on his progress, as I said. Um, uh, last week, we had the first half of our interview with uh, Joseph and Doe. And... Um, Obviously, we're going to have the second half this week. So where do we leave off? Um, we cut him off when he was talking about um, injuries and recovery. So we hear from him here as he talks about what uh, kind of an average day was like for him um, when he was at Rovers um, and the, the, the training he did with the club and also the additional training he did. He did uh, injury prevention training and recovery and all that kind of stuff. So here's the great man. It's Joseph Doe, part two of the interview. So just focusing on what you talk about there about the work that you have to put in outside of what happens at the team training field. Tell me what a day for Joseph and Doe was like, you know, between 2010 and, and 2012. Like, you know, what's, what's your average day like, including your team training and whatever personal work you've got to do outside of that then? We have a training, I think, at half 10. So um, wake up, um, I start some exercise. I go in training ground. Before training, I have to do some exercise again. Train with the boys. After training, do my technical stuff. After technical stuff, go back to the gym, injury prevention, foam rolling, go home, 
have have a food and then uh in the afternoon another session called stability injury prevention so that's why sometimes people say oh it's strong no i born like anybody else i need help the day i was born i need help so <laughs> i didn't i wasn't born strong because that's that's sometimes a myth so i would say i dedicate myself to be able to make people happy because when my name when people see my name they're expecting something special when the, my teammate sees me they're expecting something special so my training shouldn't be average training i have to prepare my i have to prepare myself to be able to make everyone who believe in me proud and sometimes it was a long day sometimes it was a long day and sometimes it was a lonely day because it, it, it wasn't easy it, it wasn't easy uh, and you 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 also played with some other great players um you know during during your time at the club where did mark quigley feature or how does he rate in Justin Dole's great players? I would say Mark is a special talent because I, I knew Mark, I played with Mark in, in Pat. So I knew Mark for, for quite some time. Special talent. Special talent. Oh, the thing the guy uh, was able to do, something I was grooming to do it. Like I say, for me, I'm a fan first. When I see a player, I'm a fan. And it's the same. It can, it can create something from nothing. And I wasn't surprised what he was able to do because I trained with him uh, in part every day. So I saw what he's capable of. Special talent. Amazing person. Amazing person. I love, I love the guy. Joey, do you have a particular favorite moment or memory in a Rover shirt? One that sticks with you more than anyone else? Uh, yes. Um, it was Bohemians 2010. The game I, I, I spoke about that um, I told the, the players the way they should play with Richie. At the end of the game, I asked Paul Cook if I can say something. And he said yes. And I told the boys that, listen, if we play like that, we're going to win the league. Of yeah, course, they didn't, they didn't believe. <laughs> because it was a shock for them. Uh, it's not something they were playing every year. But I just felt that I have to put that, I have to, I have to put the seed in their mind. That is how it's going to be from now. We are not playing to look up, we're going to play to look down. And so they thought, I, I think some of them thought that it was just a speech. And then two days later, in the showground, racing room, Proku were there. And it was before training. I say, uh, Paul, sorry, uh, we we, we have to talk about uh, the bonus. Say, what bonus? 
the league bonus because if you win the league, you have to tell us uh, how much we're gonna have. Then I have everyone attention because money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and because I, I I know that you need to shock everyone instead of go step by step, that may take, I will say six years. You shock them, so you you bring the uh, the ambition and you bring the reward together. Winning the league and the bonus together. Then you say, okay, hmm, that smells good. I think there is something we can do here. That's what I'm saying. That game for me, uh, change, change everything in Sligo. Because for the first time, we were not talking about um, if we can win this game to stay up. We were talking about winning the league against who? Against the Bohemians who won the year before, against the Shamrock, against all those teams who I always say that before 2010, every club we were playing against LIGO, after the game, they have the same speech. Oh, that was a tough place. It's a tough place to go. But after the game, after 2010, or from 2010, it was, we were lucky to grow to tonight. <laughs> so the, 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 all, all the, the perception of Sligo Rovers has changed, especially amongst clubs. And that is down of the players first. Because even for our fans to start behaving like we want to be up, it has to start with players. Joy, just overall, who would be the best player you played with in your career? I would say it's, um, in Cameroon. Uh, his name is a late Louis Paul Fede. And I spoke, I spoke about him on that show that I'm going to put soon. Uh, he was number 10. Oh. And I remember because I was playing number 10. Like, he took me under his wing. I've learned everything under uh, that man. Everything. He was so talented. So, so talented. And he demand so much of me. So, so much. Like, he won the perfection of me. But in training, in the game, they were off. Oh, Listen, I think I have to go now. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the best player I play with. That's the best player I play with. And even with the likes of Samuel Edo and Rigobert Song and no. even Joseph Desiree Job. Fede Louis Paul is the number one. It's just some player, some player. Some player, the way he uses his arm, uh, the way he uses his body. He, he was an artist. Did you play with him? And the where did you play with him? In in Cameroon, in Canon uh, Canon of Yaoundé. I think I was eighteen, nineteen. And what did it you say? It was twenty nine, thirty. Um, and he was always in. He was also in national team. He played in the World Cup, nineteen ninety. Uh, but 
What a player. What a player. Just uh, in relation to 1990, how important was the success of that team in Italy? Um, did, was that something that inspired you? Um, I will say that, that that's the... That's the World Cup who convinced me that I will play in the World Cup. Because when I saw it, I said, you, you have to, you, you have to, you have to show that to the world, you have to. And I started to dedicate myself a little bit more, a little bit more. But you know that that World Cup opened so much in terms of football uh, expansion. Uh, people start to understand that it's not always the biggest team who's going to win. It's not always the bigger country who has the most talented player. So it gave so much in, in terms in Africa, and I'm sure even in Europe, a different uh, mentality that we can succeed in the highest level, even we don't have superstars. Yeah, and it did something similar here. Um, mm. So, um, we'll forward the clock a little bit. Um, what are your memories of that cup final in the Aviva Stadium, uh, the win against Drogheda? Um, what, what are your memories from that day? I will say at first, I think I had... Um, we, we played against Shamrock in semi-final and I, I got injury at the end of the game, my hamstring. So I have, I think, three weeks, something like that, to be ready. And I, I worked so hard with uh, Ray Finan, the physio. I can see, I can see how, <laughs> oh, the poor Ray. The guy was sweating because everyone was looking at him that, is he going to be okay? Oh, the poor man. What kind of pressure they put him under? Is he going to be okay? Like, is he going to be okay? And that, that, that game, when we, when we went in Dublin, I had session the day before with uh, my, uh, my training coach. Um, so I have a session with him at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. session, go to bed, and then wake up in the morning, the day of the game. I have another session at half 10, 11. Barra didn't know because Barclough didn't know. I think it would freak out if he knew that I have all those sessions. And when the game start, we were not at it. We were not at it. I think the, the dream take, took over than the reality. Why I say that? Because before the game, we went into Aviva Stadium the day before the game. And we went to the Aviva Stadium just for the boys to see a little bit the stadium and things like that. And I knew by experience that when you do something like that without training, because there's a difference between go in the stadium, train the day before, than just go in the stadium 
and taking picture and dreaming of it. Because what happens is that when you go just in the stadium, the whole night, the whole night, you're going to dream that, oh, I'm going to score here. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do this here. But then the reality is going to catch you the day, the, 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 the match day. And that's happened. We were not at it because the reality was Drogda was coming to win. That was the reality. So the whole first half, we were not at it. I remember once uh, Ian called me to say, uh, Joe, can you tell him this? Can you tell him this? Can you tell him this? And that's all in that it <laughs> listen. I think if we go half time, one meal down, we're gonna win. But if I start talking to the player now, they will not listen. We have to wait half time. Because there is no point to I, I saw what happened, I say no, there is no point to say anything to anybody. Because you have to understand that the player themselves, they were so pissed off the way they were playing. So everything you say there, because when someone is not happy with his performance, and then you come say something again about his mistake, he will not take that well. So we went in halftime. Halftime, the dressing room, this guy talking, this guy talking, this guy talking, because no one were happy. And In asked me if I have something to say. I just say, listen, they play the, they play the first half. Now it's time to play our, our second half. They didn't score as much goal they, they could. Now it's over for them. We're going to take a second half and we're going to do what we have to do. But I think the key was Gavin Dex. Because something happened uh, in the dressing room with um, Jilali. I don't know what happened between Jilali and Baraklov, but something happened. And Jilali didn't like, and he wasn't happy. And Jilali is not the kind of player who play unhappy. That, that's not good for the team. And when Gavin Dex saw that, he came to me and said, hey, Joe, you have to go talk to Jij. I said, Gav. And I remove at least my boots because I'm tired. I need to see that. He say, if you don't talk to Gigi, we're going to lose the final. You have to go talk to him. So I went to Gigi. I said, what happened? He explained to me. And I said, listen, Gigi, you are our best player. If you don't do your magic, we are done. I'm telling you now, we are done. You're going to deal with Barra at the end of the game. But I cannot go home without that, uh, that trophy. I cannot do that. Maybe I'm going to divorce. Do you want me to divorce? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's why we were able to win. Because when you have a player like Jilali in that kind of form, you cannot lose. If you see the third goal, who made everything? It's Jilali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying about the team because me, when I came to the dressing room, I say what I have to say and then I have to rest a little bit. But then Gavendex spot on to say, we're going to have a problem if we don't sort this guy out. Yeah. And that's what, that, that's what, and 
everything happened. I think you as a fan, you saw something happen on the pitch. And that's great because the free kick and everything, that's great. But for me, we won that game at halftime. Everything we were doing at halftime, uh, governors were able to spot where the person who's going to help us to win that, that final, it was Gialli. Because the guy can carry the ball for, I don't know, one minute, two minutes. He can create free kicks. And when you have that kind of player, the pressure is less. And then now you want me to talk about the free kick. And you have also the, the elding. Oh. <laughs> was, was, the, was the free kick something that, had, that you had practiced? Yeah, that, that's not mine. That's, that's uh, Barra who one day come to me and say, listen, I'm thinking about something. And that's something I love. I prefer manager asking me the impossible than telling me not to do this, not to do that. Because I always say, you try to break my confidence. So when he brought that to me to say, can you do it? We start to practice in training. And in training, most of the time, when I practice those free kicks in training, it doesn't go well. And that's for me the sign that when it comes to the game, everything will be fine. Because I can adjust exactly what didn't go well. And I remember we done it at first, I think against, if I don't mistake it, uh, I don't remember which team, Galway. We done it against Galway. But no one imagined we could have done it in the final, even myself. Because when the freaky was there, Danny Nord came to me and said, let's do it, Joe. I didn't think twice. Like if I was if if I was looking around me, I would say, oh no, 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 no. Because the first thing you think of, oh, if I if I messed up here, that would not be good. And the rest is history. Yeah. Listen, Joe, we're really pushed for time. We could talk to you for another 10 minutes. <laughs> On top of the 10 minutes that we already spoke about. <laughs> I'm joking. We could talk to you, we could talk to you all night. Um we'll have to get you back on because we've we've more stuff that we need to cover as well. What? but listen thanks a million thanks a million for for um you know talking us through some of your memories um across the world cup and uh, your time in the league of ireland like we could definitely speak about um the league win in itself a lot more um but we are just pushed for so much time so listen joey thanks a million we really appreciate it thank you thanks a million joe i hope you enjoy thank you and we'll talk to you. Um, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joey. I hope it's the last time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. So that's our uh, Joseph and Doe two-part interview. Great to hear from um, such a legend with the club. Uh, an incredible career. Um, is he is he your favourite Rovers player of all time, lads? Any of you would he, would he be your favourite of all time, Jerry? Yeah, or not? Yeah, I think so. Um, he just. He was the kind of the catalyst that, along with obviously with Paul Cook, that changed the club and the mentality and the professionalism and just uh, the things you could do on the pitch. And uh, he was just a, a joy to watch, really, wasn't he? He, he yeah. totally transformed us. Um, yeah, McGowie was special. Uh, he he um, he was world class, really, wasn't he? He was world class in the showgrounds. Um, well, he was. Like, 
it's, it's a world class stage, Connor. So if you're, <laughs> if, if you're the best of the showgrounds, then you're, it means you're obviously world class. Yeah. But um, yeah, as Jerry said, Joey was the best in our world. Yeah, yeah, and our world is the best world, Jerry. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, as Jerry said, he was the catalyst for everything. He changed the whole mentality of everybody. Like he was saying to us in the interview about the talk they had in the Bohemians restroom and that. Like that's it's just little things like that that he could pick up on probably yeah. just other you know, people wouldn't have and could drive it in a certain direction. Yeah. But having said that, uh, to answer your original question, um, my favorite would probably be Richie Ryan. Well, interestingly, and not because just yeah. I know Joey just probably for that's a left footer thing probably or not. I don't know but it just always would be favourite well interestingly in a recent podcast I can't remember what it was on Richie Ryan was interviewed in the last week or two and um, um, he said I was his favourite player he said um, <laughs> and Shane McGoo McGoldrick who not many people would know about in El Paso um, but he's um, yeah. he's he's the guy no he said um, when he's asked in the States you know who's the, who's the best player? You've played with a lot of guys across the uh, across the USCL or whatever it's called over there. Who, who's the best player you ever played with? And Richie Ryan says, uh, Joseph and Doe by by a distance. No one come close to him, like you know. Well, McGill would pass for all the ex. McGill would pass for a fella from El Paso, anyway. So you. Know. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> what you're trying to say there, Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> you look at more more at home than Richie Ryan, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gringo Magoo. Uh, uh, Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean. All, all, all the all the ex lads he played with, like Danny and and Richie, and all they'll all all them go on about Joey like a god. The way they talk for him. Yeah, but like he he, op- he operates. He lives. He, he's in a, he lives in a different sphere than everybody else. Like isn't he? even when he's walking down the street, like if. <laughs> There's something else, there's something different going on there. Like, <laughs> I mean that in the he best possible aura, way possible. Yeah. 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 Um, but even like that, like, you know, he admitted in himself, he, he's not down, he's not down with the lads drinking the coffees or the cappuccinos or, you know, the, the bottles of bud. He's doing his own thing. And that's, that's okay. That's good as well. Oh, Sean, what's your greatest Joseph and Doe memory? The trick against UCD. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it has to be. I, I was sitting right in front of it. Just unbelievable. Couldn't believe what I was after seeing. Yeah. Just couldn't believe we didn't score after. That's always sick. Oh, yeah. 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 That always annoys me still. That would, yeah. Because that would have been, but you know, goal of the century. Yeah. But he, he, he's done, he, he's done that a few times as well. That, um, how would, what, how would you describe it in case anybody hasn't seen it? It's like a loft. Magic. It's something you'd see in Harry Potter or something. <laughs> but, but what, what, what does he do? Explain what he does. It's like a, it's like a lofted back heel flick, isn't it? You couldn't even do it in FIFA. Genuinely, I I don't know. I don't know what buttons you press to do that in FIFA. It's, it was unbelievable. It, it defied logic. Even here, the Davern's looking at him saying, how the fuck are you there doing that? Yeah. <laughs> the, ball, the ball comes back and he's in absolute shock, isn't he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's unbelievable. You know, you know what's the interesting thing about that clip as well is how different the showgrounds looks. Um, yeah. yeah. Changes and it was, it's like a different, it's like a different era. It's like looking at football like from 30 years ago or something. So um, that's just my two cents. Okay, we'll push things on. Um, so thanks a million to Joseph Doe for giving us his time. Um, so the game that uh, isn't going to go ahead now is the Waterford game um, that was due for this weekend. And our next live game will be against uh, at home to Longford. Um, but we did get the thoughts of Owen Power, who's a Waterford fan, and he's a member of the Blues Supporter Club down in Waterford. 
and we got his thoughts on the postponed or cancelled a walkover or TBC game um, against Waterford. Okay, I'm delighted to say we are joined by Owen Power from the Blues Supporters Club, um, Waterford fan. Uh, um, so we're recording on uh, Wednesday evening and I suppose the most that we know at this stage is um, that Waterford have said that they're going to forfeit the game and Sligo Rovers have issued a statement to say that, um, I guess they've recognised um, Waterford's statement. Um, but, you know, maybe things will have changed slightly by the time people are listening to this. Um, so, Owen, what's, what's the feeling on the ground in Waterford about this? You know, um, I guess the... the, the the trouncing that Waterford took, the heavy defeat that they took, um, maybe complicates things a little bit more in relation to how the league are going to proceed. But what's the feeling on the ground in Waterford? Uh, the feeling on the ground, I think, is the right decision. Um, because after like, after the, the defeat we had against Rada, um, when you concede seven goals, you're on a 19 team who haven't trained in five months and who a number of them, including your two centre halves who are on 19s, can't even play. Um, go out against men who, in fairness to draw it, they went hunting for goals. They tried to get their goal difference up. You know, everybody would do that, I suppose. Um, but I think it's the feeling it's the right decision. Um, and to be honest with you, we're bombing the league. We've lost eight from 10. We've no manager. And uh, now we have this on top. So uh, it's not great, to be honest with you. Uh, what was... Like when when the, the the statement came out, whatever it was, two weeks ago, that um, the under 19s were going to face uh, Drahada, were were people willing to kind of go? Did they think that, that was a reasonable plan? Like that was that following the the protocol that was set out was a reasonable thing to do? But it, it really came out of the blue only a f- few days before the game. You know, so people were people were kind of shocked and not prepared for it. You know, and. Um, and the statement from the club and and then the statement from Brian Brian Murphy released a tweet on the day of the game and they were contradictory to be honest with you. So people were confused as to as to what was going on. Now obviously the people got behind the under 19s, they got behind it, the lads, like there was nobody said a bad word about them. People were delighted that they got the opportunity, you know. Um but it's just a, it's just a mess. To be honest with you, it's just a complete and utter mess. You know, and Owen. yeah. You know, when you say um, the club, yeah. who who is the club? Who's running the club? Uh, well, Lee Power owns the club. Um, yeah. Uh, Does he make the day-to-day decisions, or is is there like a committee or a board, or what's the structure of the club? Well, there's there's an operations manager, there's a commercial manager, and they are based locally. Okay, and then you have obviously you have there will be one or two people in England, and Lee himself would be obviously involved in it. Um, but on the ground, running on the ground, on the ground, you would have a local management committee of three, four employees who would would run it. You know. Okay. Yeah. And um, is there similar conversations in Waterford as there might be in Dundalk about, um, you know, the, the the running of the club going forward, or what the potentials are? Are, are are Waterford fans happy with Lee Power continuing? Um, they, with- there's a there is a divide within the, the fan base, um, particularly if you see online. Uh, there's a lot of because of what's going on at Swindon, you have a lot of that coming into it. 
Um, a lot of Waterford fans would also recognise that there wouldn't be Waterford FC without Lee Power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't, like when we were Waterford United and there was 166 people or whatever it was, the last home game, uh, you know, now we've been in the Premier, Premier Division for three, three years. We've barely missed out in Europe, <laughs> controversially. You know, it's it's where we've come from under Lee Power, you, you can't. You can't um, you can't debate it. Now, what frustrates people and annoys people is that we lose our squad at the end of every season. Um, and that most Premier Divisions in the league would have one or two ex-Waterford players, including yourselves. Um, and if you had all them still together, yeah. you'd be sort of four in the league. You know, and, why, why does that happen, though? Why, why, do, why is there a new squad every season? Is that the money? Um, plain and simple and I suppose the likes of Matty Smith and the likes of Walter Figuera and these lads they're probably on bigger money than we currently are paying you know so now obviously with this year with the financial situation and not knowing what like obviously you're, you're have no money coming in from fans so I know the FAI or the, the government have stepped up with funding wise, but obviously that was a major consideration for starting the season. But our squad came together very, very late, you know. Our management team came together very late. So yeah. we, we were at a massive disadvantage from the get-go. Yeah, and, and it seems to be like that every season. Like, and I suppose the the um what Lee Power and whoever is involved, like you'd imagine that they would want to grow the club, but you're never really going to get growth if you have to start every season. Exactly, exactly, because uh, like some of the players we've had over the over the when we've been in the Premier Division, the top yeah. class players, right? and and they're still within the League of Ireland. So it's not as if they've there's a number of them gone to England, but they're still within the the league. So they would probably still play for Watford. Why? That's uh, frustrating. Yeah. Why? Why is um like Lee Power is a, is a businessman who has obviously strong Irish connections and he, I think he represented yeah. Ireland at, he did, he did, yeah. uh, B, at B level. Um, Under 21, what, I think. Yeah, what, what's his... Why is he... What's in it for him to be involved in, in Waterford? Well, I suppose there is a... There is a, a family connection to Waterford. There is a, I suppose, nostalgia, I suppose you, you could say. But at the end of the day, I'd say what he saw was that... The League of Ireland is unique, as in you have a very good chance of getting league or getting Europe in the League of Ireland. You know, from a, an investor point of view, you don't have to put in much money, and you'll probably you could get Europa League, you know, very easily. And uh, unfortunately, he did that. He put he put it money where his mouth is. We got Europe on the pretense, and unfortunately, it, that fell through for what we all know. So. Um, that's why it's it was a it was a business decision at the end of the day, and nearly nearly worked out. But the last couple of seasons, obviously, I'd say have cost him substantial amounts of money. You know. Yeah, you know, but I wonder about that, and I even think about Peak Six and Dundalk. Yeah, I qualify for Europe. Obviously, oh sorry, we're getting into the group stages of one of the competitions. Obviously, it's completely different financially. It's a, it's a, you know, you're in a different stratosphere. Oh yeah. But if you're messing around in um, if you're messing around in pre- preliminary rounds of like the Europa Conference or whatever it might be called, um, forthcoming, and the previous Europa League. Like, yeah, you're getting a, a couple of hundred thousand here and there. But 
in the big scheme of things, it's not enough to to be you know plowing hundreds of thousands or you know five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand into a club in the hope of that. Like you know, I mean, is Lee, do you think that his design is on the group stages of of European competition for Waterford? I, I don't know to be honest with you. I, I, I've never. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I mean, I know. It, I'm, I'm, I'm only. I'm only guessing, but like we all know, there's no money in the league of Ireland, really. There's no money to be made anyway. It's a black hole. You know, you just yeah. pour money into a hole. Yeah. Um, like that, but that's why that, that's he's why... starting to realize that now, or he has realized it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I go back to what I said before. I would think, like he he got us out of the first division with with very little. Well, with a, with a. I suppose very little money is compared to what it would take a Premier Division squad, you know. And uh, wow. look, it's, uh, you know, I don't really know to be honest. With you. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, is it frustrating as a fan when you're trying to build a solid base for a club moving forward? You know, as you're saying, every year your 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 squad is broken apart. But also, like when you're changing managers so regularly as you are as well, like in theory. You know, John Sheridan last year was a good appointment. On paper, it was a good appointment. And apart from acting like a complete idiot, he actually done a decent job at Waterford. Mm. But then you then you take it to this season then, and it's it's a complete gamble by power bringing in Sheedy. You know, yeah. Sheedy had never managed the club whatsoever, and he's into his, what, late 50s, early 60s at this stage. You know, football has nearly bypassed him, you know. And to come into... A job that really needed a lot of structure and someone who really did know the league and you know knew what they were doing. Sheedy was just the wrong man altogether. Was that frustrating for you as parents to see that? I think the man who came with Sheedy was might have been more than wrong. Yeah. Um, but John Sheridan affairs got a bad press, and I don't think John Sheridan said what he what what he what they said he said. Right. You know, this pub's league thing. He didn't actually say that. If you read what he said. It's totally different to the narrative that was then brought out, that Vinnie Port brought out, and that was for his own uses. Who was on the, he was in trouble at the time, you know. So John Sheridan did a very good job with Watford. Oh, he did. There's no doubt about it. You know, and 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 Franny Rocket did very well. Got us to fifth place. Mm. So you know that that, that can't be denied. Uh, the Sheedy and Newell appointment was just was just was just wrong. It just didn't work. Um, you hear some of the stuff coming out in the press now, but there being basically no tactical preparation at all, really. You know, kind of go out and play the game, that's here, you get on kind of stuff, you know. And some of the things that were going on within the squad, it's, it's it just it doesn't sound like management to me. It just sounds like, you know, chaos. Absolutely. It is one man quest against the referees in the league was laughable to say the least like it was like something you'd see off dream team and sky one you know putting out three substitutes on a bench and not anyone else like to see that as a fan that's torture my newest frustration with the referees and the one referee in particular i can totally and utterly sympathize with but you have to have some sort of self-control as because they were gunning for him you could see that you could see the fourth official the minute he sat on the bench they were looking at you have to play the game at the end of the day with, the, with these officials at the end of the day too. So, uh, look, they lasted what nine games, you know, seven defeats. So it, it's speaks for itself. So, I mean, what do you want to see happen if you can answer that question between now and the end of the season? I suppose how can you know how can things be shored up? 
you need a man with League of Ireland experience. Um, you need a couple of players. Um, you actually have a solid base goalkeeper defence there. Um, like Brian Murphy on goal when he's when he's back, and two centre halves and full backs have done very well. You know the problem in the team is we scored five goals. Yeah. yeah. Ten games. Uh, yeah. So and unfortunately Darren Murphy has been injured for for a lot of the season again. You know, and that's just uh, if you had him fit, I'm sure he'd score goals. You know, but there needs to be an injection of. When, when we can in the trench or whatever three or four players because I don't think like we're far away from getting finishing third or fourth bottom like uh, I've, whatever games I've seen like there's obviously a gap between Rovers and yourselves and wherever else but the bottom five or six you know there's not we're not a whole, we're not a I know we're bottom of the league but we're not a far off really yeah. only a point off Longford you know so, no you're definitely yeah. not well, like I go back to the game we played against you down in in that Waterford, was tight. That was tight. and like bar two moments of genius, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> you win the game one nil. Yeah, and and in fairness, like we lost in Drada to an, an, a ninetieth minute own goal. You yeah. know, we lost yeah. in Harps to a ninety second minute or eighty nine or eighty nine minute header. So you know you're or sorry not header from a from a set piece. So you know they've been unlucky as well. You have to say that, yeah. you know. So it's not, I don't think you got the you've gotten gotten the rub of the green. Um, yeah. And I know uh, we brought it up. I think it was after we played yourselves. Um, and like, like you mentioned there, Drada, you know, was known goal in the 90th minute. Uh, the game after, I think you were unlucky again as well. And and even against yourselves, like I think it's just you know the rub of the green really hasn't been witchy. And probably the change over managers too is. Just not giving you that kind of, I suppose, uh, consistency in terms of who's going to be picked and yeah. what system you're going to play and stuff like that. Every, you know, so it's, uh, go on. Like, Scott have never played together, and like you, you brought brought in all these fellas who have never even seen each other. Yeah, you know, a lot of these fellas I don't think have played a lot recently either. They've been out of contracts or they've been in the lower lower reaches of England or, you know, somewhere like that. So. It's going to take time for them to to get going as well, you know. But it definitely needs three or four experienced League of Ireland heads, like a fellow in the middle of the field and a fellow up front, there who know what they're doing and, and have yeah. been around the league. You know, you know the type of players I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you could get them and a, and a decent manager with experience, I think you'll you'll comfortably get you'll survive anyway. You know. Is there any rumours on managers? And um, not really. It's very quiet. <laughs> the John Sheridan rumors there, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I Shane, Shane Keegan, yeah, yeah. That that we've heard, we've heard. Like it's it's actually uh, we've had a lot of drama, but it's actually very quiet on on that aspect of it. So obviously, there's going on behind the scenes, and I'd, I'd expect an announcement fairly soon on it. I'd say. Is there any chance of Reynolds coming back? No, not not with the the present. Um, uh, people at the club, I wouldn't think so, no. Yeah. But uh, he did look, he did a great job. It is, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a hero. It's a pity how that yeah. all ended, really, for you. Yeah, it, it is It is a massive pity because Rennie, Rennie did a brilliant job and Rennie's heart is in water, you know, and he, it's, um, it's, 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 it's very sad, really, you know, from, from a Blues fan's perspective. How it ended. Yeah. Okay, well, listen... 
Owen, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks a million for joining us. Um, I suppose it's uh, not the conversation that anybody really wants to be having. Um, no, no. And uh, not the first time we've been having this conversation in, in Sligo in relation to... Well, hopefully the next time I come on, it'll be like, we'll be, after winning three or four games, it'll be upbeat, you know? But... <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, lads, anyway. And thanks very much for having me. So that's all power. Thanks a million on for um, for your time. Always good to talk to you. Knowledgeable on all things uh, Waterford football based. So um, so it's a real mess now, and it is. So we're as I said earlier, recording this on Wednesday evening. Things may have changed by the time you're listening to this. Um, but there's no official word from the league as to how exactly they're going to deal with this game. And I think Jerry, the problem is well, I think the problem is the seven goals that Drahada scored. Um, the last time Waterford played and they put out the under 19s because um, they've run up now a significant goal difference. So they've, yeah, they've, their four column is much better than what maybe we could do this weekend. I know we're probably in a different situation positionally than, than Drada, but that's is, is that the real challenge for the FAI here? Because if they give us a 3 0 walkover, there's a big differentiation difference between the two games, really. Yeah, um, and there's no guarantee. Um, with the FEI that they will give a walkover on 3-0, even though it's quite categorically stated in the rule book. Um, I think the biggest problem that I have is that I just don't trust the FEI. And that in itself leads to so much, like there's always going to be uncertainty around these things, but I think that just leads to an overwhelming sense of uncertainty for me and a lack of trust towards the FEI. And just to, to to talk about the goal difference scenario there, Connor, I'll give you a good example. And it's actually something that I wrote down um, in relation to, to Waterford as well, in that last season, um, you know how Waterford hit the post and everybody says, oh, that would have knocked us out of Europe. That actually wouldn't have knocked us out of Europe, to be honest, because both teams would have ended on 25 points. Both teams would have ended on a minus four goal difference if that, shot had gone in right but this just actually goes to even cement the the uh, the whole um problem with the seven goals is that um rovers would have qualified by one goal in that rovers had 19 goals for and waterford had 18 goals for so both teams finished at 25 points both teams finished minus four, four goal difference rovers scored 19 that season in shortened season and waterford scored 18 so that's how fine a line it would have come down to had that Waterford shot gone in. So an additional goal for. Yeah, the additional goal for, even though everything else was level, okay? But that just shows you the significance of goal difference over the course of the season. I'm not saying Drogheda are going to qualify for Europe or anything like that, but it could have an impact in other areas you know, of the league table. And it just totally skews everything. And we, God knows when we'll find out what's going to be the decision from the FEI. So, um, Magruder, going back in the word now, it seems, the FEI, because they had said at the start of the season, if a situation like this arises, the game goes ahead, you put out a team, the under-19s, so they're, they're, going, they're backtracking now, aren't they? Yeah, which is no surprise. The first time there's a hint of trouble, they backtrack. And that's, that's, that's my problem with the whole lot of it, is that at the start of the season, they, they went to all the clubs I think two days before the start of the season, and basically get them what would have been only a couple of hours, I suppose, to 
get all the under 19 signed up to the first team squad, get them registered as first team players, so they could be available for that weekend in case anything came up or went wrong or whatever. So that they wouldn't have much time. But in essence, probably as an idea, it was probably okay if they stuck to it and everybody was in the same boat. But now the minutes, they should have, they should have had the foresight to see when they were going implementing this idea that right, we're going to do this because we don't want games called off. And if they were going to do, they should have looked and said, right, there's a possibility that the 19s are going to get hammering, especially seeing as we aren't letting them train because of the COVID. The 19s weren't allowed to train. The only ones that were back for the last couple of weeks was 17s, 15s. The 19s weren't allowed because they were seen as adults. So they weren't allowed back training. So they should have known this. But then if they were still going to implement, they should have stick to their guns now. Once one game is played, then all games should have to be played. And if Waterford is going to turn around and say, oh, we're forfeiting, so we're going to dock you extra points if that's going to be the case. Yeah. You send, up, send up the 19s or that's it because that's the rules. That's what we've laid down at the start of the season. That's what we told you to do, draw it to do. So that's what's going to happen. So either do one or the other. In, in, like I know people are saying, um, well, it should have been rescheduled at the start before the draw the game. And it possibly could have. Like I don't see the thing of maybe... Uh, there's plenty of time later on season. but that also then opens up a can of worms down the line of can you trust clubs like Waterford for example we all know what goes on in boardroom to be honest to be honest yeah you have a couple of injuries oh we have a COVID case get it postponed we'll play it in August after the transfer window oh, we get a heap of players in so if the FAI were doing it right and had this rule in place you're going to use the 19 so they should have stuck to their guns and like I know it'll be harsh on the Waterford lads getting hammered every week, but that's they signed up to it at the start. They there was there was no complaining for them at the start about no, we're not going to do this or this isn't fair. So yeah. So, so Sean, what do you want to see happen? I don't think it's, I'd like to see the game go ahead. I think yeah, like to be to, to be go. refixed for another time. Is that what you no, mean? it should have went. It should have went ahead this weekend. You know, if we're playing by a rule book here, the rules have to be have to be kept in place and this game should have gone ahead. It shouldn't be pick and choose when you play and when you don't play. And, you know, the FEI shouldn't be stepping in and saying, all right, God love them. They got a batter in last week. So this week, no, we'll just for, you can forfeit the game and just lose 3-0. That's not how it should work. I don't agree with under-19 teams being sent out to the slaughter because I don't, I don't think it's any good for them in, in their development as footballers. And I'd also like to take a look at player welfare on opposition sides as well, because what's to say a 19-year-old doesn't lose his head getting bet 7-0 and gets pissed off and just throws in a dirty challenge and injures one of our top players for the rest of the season. You know, there's nothing to say that doesn't happen, but I think the FAI have just made an absolute hash of this. this. This game should have been going ahead. They have the players available. There's an under-19 team. That was the agreement that was made. They should be going and playing us in, in, in the showgrounds on Saturday night. It's not. We now have a... Well, it won't even be a forfeit. I guarantee you it's going to be rescheduled to a later date. And you can just tell already. If it hasn't come out straight away, it's it's going to be rescheduled. They're going to make a mess of this completely. I I, I think it's... That's when the problems will arise. I said it to my father last night. I think it's going to be rescheduled as well. Um... Because because of the the goal difference, yeah. Because of the goals that were scored by, by um, I just have a, a, a Google here now to make sure. So that you I, so you 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 think they're going to reschedule the draw of the game? 
They're going to take the. No, no, the, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 the Waterford game, the Rovers Waterford game. I think that'll be well, tough. What's that got to do with the goal difference? Because, because we'll because we'll be given a three 0 walkover otherwise. And, sure and, 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 and last week. Yeah, but but the FBI will say, well, you had um. So let's say, right at the end of the season, as Jerry said, it comes down to. Let's say we're we're, we're one less goal. Um, let's say we're 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 missing a goal to qualify for Europe for argument's sake, and um, we got a, a three 0 walkover. Uh, you know, you'd be saying, well, why didn't we get the opportunity to play the under 19s from Waterford? And it could have been a different. Yeah. But if they rescheduled the game, they'll reschedule it for August, and we won't be playing the under 19s. We'll be playing the first team. So. But then you avoid you avoid the situation where um, you're given they've changed the rules. They allowed they allowed Draha to to play the under 19s. They put seven by them. Then they change the rules, and we get a three 0 walkover. So it's you know there has to be consistency. You either, you're either playing the games or you're not playing the games. And yeah, so the game might be in August, and it's a it's a full strength team, and they've made a couple of signings. But the only consistent thing now, Connor, would be. And I, I, the only consistent thing now will be to play the under 19s for, for Rovers to play them. That's the Absolutely. only consistent thing. Absolutely, yeah. But I think, um, is, there not, is there not, is are Waterford not saying now, and I could be wrong about this, but are they not saying it's a COVID issue in relation to um, the extended under 19 team? I, I'm not sure. Maybe that is, maybe I'm wrong now in saying I no, think I they're using that as a, no, I think uh, they're just forfeiting the game now because of what happened last yeah. week against yeah. Strahada. The, the it's it's a there. tactical thing. Yeah, it's a tactical thing because they know. Why, who, who, why would you? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jerry. Why would you not take a three 0 instead of another seven 0 Yeah, yeah, that's it's an easy way out. And why won't everybody else do that? Like if we have a COVID case in our camp and we have to play Shams at the weekend up in Tala. I should. Because if we want to send the nineteens up to play, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, we can't. We get the the nineteens are hit too. We have to forfeit the game. That's why. That's why the the yeah the forfeiting of games when you've an available team. And I think I agree with you, Sean. That it's it's no good. It's no good to to any of the nineteen players um, getting taken apart. And no, but it's the rule all, that's been put in place. Yeah, and we're all presuming we'll win the game. If we're playing the nineteen, we will win the game. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it's also sorry, Jerry. Go on ahead, you're looking. Um, look, at the end of the day, nobody wants this situation. Least of all, Sligo Rovers, and it's not the first time that it's happened to us. But I'm what I as a fan, what I would imagine and what I would like is that we played the normal Waterford team on Saturday night. So, like, we, as a club, um, didn't make this situation. But I just feel that we are going to come out of it worse than what we should have. Well, the, and the, other, the other simple thing, Jerry, is that, um, as you said earlier, Gary Buckley would have, would have served as a special. Yeah. You would have had an opportunity to get more minutes into Blaney and now that's all we're being we're getting a bit of a sucker punch there as well yeah like we have momentum uh, of course we w- would want to play a Waterford first team uh, we've absolutely nothing to fear from them at all um, and if anything it would this by pulling this game it, we lose momentum and we go two weeks without a game and then we when we play Longford we play three games in six days hmm, yeah. so you're going from a, a famine to a feast like I, I said in, uh, in, 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 I said in the group that there's only two possible teams that can be affected by this decision from the FBI, and that's Waterford and it's us. There's yeah. only two teams that can have a negative. Everybody else outside of that 
is is going to be on the right side of it. Whatever happens after this, they're all going to be on the right side of it because they're going to know going forward. But we're the one who's stuck in the middle of it. Yeah. In the middle of the shit now. We're the ones who are going to have to suffer the consequences. Exactly like happens, it was against Derry last season. Exactly. It's always yeah. seen to be us. Yeah. yeah. And you know what the thing is as well, though? Like, you know, this is Waterford just saying, right, we forfeit the game because, you know, we don't want to get trounced again. But it just makes an absolute shit show of the league once again. And I just have to say, like, we're constantly coming back to the two same teams in Dundalk and Waterford that are just making a mockery of this league at the moment. It just, like, for whatever it was said last year about the public, it does look so junior league at the moment. So it does, like, your rules are set in place, but don't worry about the rules. Do what you please. Do whatever you feel like. And whatever suits you, and we work around G. And it's, it's a mess. It's the lunatics running the asylum. Yeah. yeah. Magoo, you said there that there's two teams going to be affected by this. There's actually not. There's only going to be one. Because Waterford are actually taking the best case scenario for them. Yeah. So the best case scenario for them is a three-night walkover. They don't have to travel to Sligo. They don't have to pay for a hotel. They don't have to pay for two buses. Uh, they probably will get bet more than three nights. So this is kind of a, like, with the situation that they're in, um, it's almost like, I know it sounds a bit dark, but it's, it's nearly like a win-win for them. And whereas we, yeah. it's a lose situation for us in that we don't get to carry that momentum. We don't get Gary Buckley to serve his suspension. We don't get more minutes into players that we possibly could. We have the psychological uh that we don't have three points on the board. So say another three or four games in and it's still not decided, like it's taken months to decide the goal with Cavantini thing. Mm-hmm. We're three points worse off than what we could be. So that kind of does have a psychological impact on 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 players and when you look at the league table and things like that. And you know, you want to be in the top three. We wanted to have an opportunity to play Limerick or to play, sorry, Water for first team and maybe increase the gap and pull away the top three kind of pull away. And that's 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 part of football. That psychology is part of football. We, we have a small squad and yeah. we don't know what's going to happen over the next number of weeks. You could pick up a couple of injuries and then you're playing a Waterford team who, you know, there could be a situation where maybe they do start putting a bit of a run together and they are fighting for things and then we're playing them when they've got their tails up. And, yeah. and we're yeah. not far away. Yeah. Let's be realistic about this. This isn't going to happen... Uh, next month, the game, like it's going to be pushed out further and they are going to get to the July window. They're going to bring in players. It's just been confirmed they have a new manager. It'll be a completely different Waterford side that we're coming up against in the first place. It's not going to be the same thing that we're due to play. So yeah. it's, look, they should they should be punished for forfeiting the game in, that, in the way they have and we should be automatically awarded the three points now and not having to There's wait no- for it. It should just be happening. In my in my view, there's no way they can make us play the game though again if they don't make draw to play the game again. That it's an impossibility. How that's, that's, the that's, problem. That, that's not gonna happen though. I know it won't happen, but that's my point. How can they how can they let draw to play the nineteens and make us yeah. wait until August yeah. to play our game? This is this. This is this. But it comes back to trust, doesn't it? And it comes back to trust and integrity. And they're two of the things that have been lacking in the League of Ireland football forever and a day, whilst the FEI have been involved in the league. Um, we have no trust in the FEI and integrity. Well, that was just blown out of the water this week when a team decided, not even this week, they're done it last year too. They said, well, we're not traveling to Sligo mm-hmm. and they were let get away with it. And now they're saying, well, we're not traveling to Sligo again. 
So um, we're still, it'll take them weeks to figure out what to do. And all that uncertainty is just, that's that horrible feeling. I hate that. And does it, am I looking into it a wee bit too much here? Or is it just very coincidental that they have appointed a new manager? So they're not going to play the game, going to give them a couple of weeks to settle in or whatever it may be and get get the blocks in place again. And this is just very convenient to call this game off. Well, I said it short the week. I wouldn't put anything past that club, Mike. I wouldn't put anything past it. Well, you can pull any stroke when the FEI are involved. They just... But like, you know what? You know... But but like, it's not like you couldn't see this coming, like, you know, this isn't new, you know? Um, Yeah. That's that's the other frustrating thing about it that the FBI don't have the and the league don't, don't the have. FBI, they could see you coming, so they put a, a plan in place, and then yeah, they decided to scrap so they their plan straight after. Yeah, like, after the first hurdle. But the silence, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong in saying this as well. And if anyone want to correct me, you can. But the silence is deafening as well from the FAI already. Like surely they don't know what this, to do. This is this was they announced really, yesterday. You know, this is half eleven Friday night. Half 11 Friday night, a, a statement will be released. And just when we're crack. talking about, um, you know, that we're, it sounds like we're mad to play the under-19s or something, that's not the case, because I could nearly speak for every no. man here. When we'd come on next week, we would take no joy in going out and hammering an under-19 team, 8 or 9 nil or whatever it may end up. You yeah, know, but it's just... Like a <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's just, you know, you just want to see the rules put in place properly and just... As Jerry's talked about integrity. Okay. Will we leave it there? Thanks. So. Um, I think we've yeah, I think we've 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 covered enough of it. Um, thanks a million to we'll Joey Ado. We'll in August before the reschedule game. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll revisit it in, in August. Um, so thanks a million to 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 Joseph Ado for um, his time. Uh, and we got the second part of his interview. Thanks a million to Chris O'Donnell from Grange, the Irish runner who's qualified, who helped qualify the four by 400 meter mixed relay team um, for the forthcoming Olympics. Um, as I said, to win this week's case of White Hag, and we just need you to retweet uh, the promotional Better Red Supporters Trust tweet promoting this current episode 25. So just retweet it and everybody who retweets it and retweets it and spreads the word um, will will be with a chance of winning a case of uh, beer from the White Hag. Uh, thanks a million to our sponsors, the White Hag. Thanks a million to um, to Barry Creed in Sligo in Dublin and also to um, MacD, C and M uh, who operate in Sligo. Uh, very helpful to us and supporting us along the way. So um, it's yet to be decided, I suppose, on the aftermatch reception. Is that the, the situation at the moment? Well, I was thinking about maybe doing like a season review or something like that. Or, um, but look, the, the lads have yet to commit. To, 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 <laughs> what's this space? TBC. Yeah, TBC. Um, okay, so listen, thanks a million, uh, Jerry. Thanks, Connor. Thank you, Sean. Thanks a million, Connor. And Magoo, thank you. Cheers, lads. All right. That's a wrap. We will never forget this day.